Hello and welcome from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. This podcast you're about to hear was recorded at our Burugun campus. So sit back, relax, and enjoy what God has to say to you. Hallelujah. Well, good morning. Please be seated. And uh, lovely to be together again on this wet morning. Goodness me. The heavens were open, weren't they, last night? <laughs> I hope that's a sign of the Lord outpouring His Spirit, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon us. I often think that, don't you, when the rain comes down? Lord, pour out your Spirit upon us. Fill us afresh with your goodness and your love. You know, about 12 years ago, I attended a conference uh, in Victor Harbour in South Australia. And uh, the speaker, one of the speakers got up to begin his session and he said something very simple, very simple. He could say, oh yeah, I know that, ho-hum, but incredibly profound. He said this, you and I were created to be filled with the Spirit of God and to live by the power of the Spirit. All else in life flows from that reality, he said which is the purpose of creation and the goal of history and we're in the flow of that history. You and I have been created to partake of the divine nature. How powerful is that? We can think about that for a long time. You know, God's heart from the beginning has been not just to be present to you, but to dwell in you by the power of the Holy Spirit to be alive to you and you alive to him. See, we've been made in the image of God that we might know him personally. That's God's heart, that we know him personally, not just about him, and that we live in union with him, that we live in oneness with him. And the power of his life courses through our own beings as we relate to him. You know, the Bible begins in Genesis 1 with two, I think, huge and telling verses In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then in verse 2, now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God, in Hebrew, the Ruach of God, the breath of God, the very life of God was hovering over the waters. See, the Spirit was there in the beginning, the breath of life hovering blowing over the creation. And all comes to life because of his breath. And nothing's changed even today. The creation is alive because God is present to the creation by his spirit. In Genesis 2, the Lord formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. Beautiful, lifeless dust breathes a deep breath and becomes a living being. Hallelujah, a spiritual being. See, the imagery is saying that we're created with human spirits. We're not just bodies. God's intent from the beginning was for our spirits to be immersed, for our spirits to be infused, to be permeated, to be in union with the Spirit of God. That's his heart. That's how he's created us, 
that we might know. And in Genesis 3, Adam and Eve decided to cut themselves off from God and go it alone and work life out without God to decide for themselves what's good and uh, what's not so good, what's right, what's wrong, what's good and what's, e what's evil. Even after God said that if you go it alone, you will surely die. Because he's the source of life. But Adam and Eve cut themselves off. See, God was primarily talking about a spiritual death, a separation from God, which would ultimately lead to a, spirit, to a physical death. But this spiritual death is first evidenced in the earth in creation when Adam and Eve attempted to hide from God, from God's presence, which is folly. And this hiding is still happening today. Men and women are hiding from God, which doesn't change the reality that God is ever present to us. If he wasn't present to us, none of us would live. Nothing would survive. It's the presence of God that brings life. And the reality is that our hiding, that in our hiding, we're refusing life-giving sustenance. And so like Adam, dispirited, sad, downcast. For Adam didn't have the great resources of God in him because he wouldn't have it. He refused. And so dispirited and feeling the lack. And throughout history, men and women have gone to great lengths to re-spirit themselves. For they know they must be filled with something to make life worth living. And they try and fill themselves from the creation, things in the creation, or from things within themselves, whether it's work, money, sex, pleasure, enjoying the creation, fun with friends and family, good food, good wine, because we want to be re-spirited by whatever means other than God himself. It even happens in the church, sadly, through works. If only we wait on God long enough, if only we pray long enough, if only we serve hard enough, then we'll re-spirit ourselves. But see, it doesn't work like that. That's not how it works. That's not the way of God. God's intent is that you and I be re-spirited by the spirit of the living God, to know him and to be in his presence and to know his presence in us, not just around us. Of course, he's always present around. The question is, is he in you? It's the presence of God in us. When our, our children were growing up, we'd often spend weekends on Sue's parents' wheat and sheep farm. And uh, the kids loved the open space, chasing the sheep and riding the tractors and the motorbikes. And during the dry months, and particularly the drought years, the paddocks, goodness me, dry, brown, dusty, and uh, many of the dams empty with water in short supply. And the kids would come across skeletons of dead sheep, you know, the sun, the dry sort of sun-bleached bones everywhere. That's what they saw, the teeth, you know, they loved it. You know, looking at the, fascinated with the eye sockets, you know, the nasal cavities and the jaw bones and the teeth. Uh, and so they'd collect them and they'd bring them back to the farmhouse and, of course, we'd play with them. And uh, 
when we were due to come home, they'd all be piled up ready to bring back to Perth, but of course we'd strategically make sure that they weren't packed away in the car. Uh, but they were once, you know, sheep, healthy sheep, full of life and uh, producing wool and doing all the good things. But uh, there was there, they saw a pile of dry old bones. Death had set in. Now our passage today comes from Ezekiel 37, the valley of dry bones, where the people of Israel were saying, and it was around right about the time, it was at the time of the Babylonian exile. So we're talking around 600 BC. And this is what the people of Israel were saying. Our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. See, they were suffering. They were suffering the horrendous consequences of their blatant sin and their hard, rebellious hearts. And they felt like the walking dead. That's how they felt. They were alive, but they were walking. But though they'd abandoned God, see, God had not abandoned them. And God, God promised to remove their heart of stone and recreate in them a new heart. We read in Ezekiel 36, the Lord said, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you. In the very next chapter, Ezekiel 37, we have a graphic image in the form of a vision to tell the story of the promise of the gift of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, and of the new creation that God would recreate humanity, take us as we are and remake us to create a new humanity in the earth. Not a replacement humanity, but take us as we are and remake us. And so let's read Ezekiel 37. It should come up on the screens there. We'll read the first 10 verses. The, the hand of the Lord was on me. That's on Ezekiel. And he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them. And I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise, a rattling sound. The bones came together bone to bone. I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then the Lord said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say this. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. Come, breathe from the four winds and breathe into these dead that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and breath entered them and they came to life, stood up on their feet, a vast army. What a vision. Uh, horrific in some ways, but the, <laughs> but the vision... <laughs> 
of dry bones is a metaphor. Okay, so it's a metaphor of Israel's spiritual state. They were physically not dead, but they were dead to God. They, with their hard, rebellious hearts set against God. A hopeless state, really. Uh, but there was hope. Why? The Spirit of God was coming to bring them back to life and to be alive again to God, would be alive to God. And Ezekiel sees, at the end of the vision there, he sees new human beings standing in front of him, new creations. Amazing. The work of God. But the scene in uh, verse 1 and 2 in the vision is of total desolation, death. No sign of life, a valley full of dry helpless bones and I apologise for the image that's come up on the screen there some might find it offensive but that's what Ezekiel saw and much worse than that and I've seen similar images I'm sure you have in Outswitch and the killing fields in Cambodia where life has been taken away you see the people of God were in the valley of death they needed to be delivered and the image shows us they could not do it themselves. How could they? But God's first question to Ezekiel in verse 3 was this, can these bones live? That's the big question. Can God take dead bones and make them live again? Can God recreate people? Can God send a revival and set them alive? Can they be born anew? Can they be born again from above, from God who is above? Well, in verse 4, the Lord said to Ezekiel, prophesy to these bones, which means speak the words that I'm about to give you to these bones. Imagine that, how impossible that would have seemed for Ezekiel. How awkward, how stupid to speak to a pile of dead old dry bones. But God said, speak to these bones. And these were the words that God gave Ezekiel and he spoke them into this seemingly helpless situation. Ezekiel said, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says. I will make breath enter you and you'll come to life. I will make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. Then you'll know that I am the Lord. And what happened? (laughs) What happened in the vision? Yeah, amazingly, there was movement. And there was the rattling of bones. And people were being formed, bone to bone. And flesh came on the bone. But there was no ruach. There was no breath of God. So the Lord said to Ezekiel, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy to the spirit of the living God. Which again means speak the words I'm about to give you and speak them to the breath of God, to the spirit of God. And these were the words given to Ezekiel and he spoke them. Come breath from the four winds. And breathe into these dead people that they may live. And they all came to life. 
Every one of them came to life, stood on their feet, and Ezekiel saw a vast army of people before him. See, Ezekiel saw not only dead bones rattling, but new life exploding, exploding into full view before him. See, this is actually an act of recreation in the vision. It's recalling the original creation of the first Adam in Genesis 2, where there was first a formation out of the dust of the ground and then the divine breath. And the vision is ultimately looking forward to Jesus and the day of Pentecost, the recreation of humans and the coming of the new creation, which is a renewed humanity, as I said before, not a replacement creation, but a renewed creation. God takes us as we are and renews us, remakes us. And the Israelites were as dead as those dry bones depicted. They're not physically dead, as I mentioned. They were saying, our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We're cut off from God. They knew they were the walking dead. They knew it. A deadness in their hearts, though they existed. Now, this is the spiritual condition. This is important to see. This is the spiritual condition that by nature we all possess. We all share by nature, by first birth. We all share. And what Paul is saying here for us is, um, you know, although God gives us breath for our lungs, there's another breath that we need to be alive and uh, the breath of life. And Paul reminds us of that in Ephesians 2 when he says this, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live. And what Paul is saying is that by nature, we're all cut off from God. It's life-giving presence within us. Not from him, because he's there, present, but from within us. No matter how we might subjectively feel, we're cut off, we're dead to God. And Paul goes on to say, but, it's a beautiful but, but because of God's great love for us, God who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves, you couldn't do it. It's the gift of God. And like those dry bones, our deadness means we cannot save ourselves. It's all about God and his loving, faithful heart towards each one of us. And Ezekiel's prophecies, it first actually relates to Israel and then is fulfilled in Jesus for all, everyone, all nations on the day of Pentecost. Well, how? How was that fulfilled? Well, God, in his great love for you and for me and for the world, became a human person. He became one of us in Jesus. He identified with us. He came alongside us in human flesh and blood. The very word of God who spoke the universe into being became one of us, became a human person in our place. And he was crucified. He died. He was buried among those dry bones. And he rose again, defeating death. He's the one that has defeated death for you. He died the death that we could not die and live. Jesus became the firstborn, therefore, from among the dead. 
He's our forerunner. He's the one that's gone before us. And just as the valley of death in Ezekiel's vision is swallowed up in victory, so God in Jesus defeated death on the cross for you and I to come alive. For when death stung Jesus, it stung itself to death. You've got to see that. Death was swallowed up in victory. Jesus took death into his own being and dealt with it there. It's the only place it could be dealt with. And he dealt with it within himself. And that's why by faith in Jesus Christ, we receive the gift of life, the Holy Spirit in us. And we live just as depicted in Ezekiel's vision. You see, sin and death came through Adam. And forgiveness and resurrection life comes through Jesus Christ. Do you believe that? Do you know that? We're either in the old man Adam, which is death, and ultimately physical death, or in the new man Jesus Christ to his life. See, in Jesus, we are recreated and filled with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And Paul in 2 Corinthians says, if anyone, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. I love that verse. And the day of Pentecost, which followed Jesus' death and resurrection, is no more or no less dramatic than the dry bones piled up in the valley suddenly turning into living bodies. For that's what happened at Pentecost for each one of us. He takes our deadness and brings it to new life. Each one of us. And the Spirit is ongoingly refreshing and ongoingly filling us and awakening us. Even if we are sleepy believers, the Spirit is waiting to awaken us to himself. So how do we receive the Spirit? How do we receive the presence of the Spirit of God in us? Well, Peter answers that question for us on the day of Pentecost when he says in Acts 2, repent, turn away from sin. Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise of the Holy Spirit is for you and for your children and for all who are afar off, says Peter. Do you love that? Everyone. You know, in John chapter 3, Jesus had a conversation with a man called Nicodemus. Who we know that conversation well. Uh, Nicodemus was a leader in Israel, as you know, but Jesus was talking to Nicodemus about dead Israel, that Israel were dead and needing to be reborn. And in the conversation, Jesus is activating the words Nicodemus would have known from Ezekiel, words of new birth, new humans, by the word of God and the spirit of God. And Nicodemus didn't get it, but he did have the words. So Jesus says to, uh, to Nicodemus, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Such is your deadness. The words born again here mean born from above, born anew, 
a life that comes from, as a gift from God himself. So Nicodemus, of course, you know, he gets confused with natural birth. And, oh, you know, how can that all happen again? The old physical birth thing. And so Jesus said it another way. He says, Nicodemus, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. And when a teacher of Israel hears water, spirit and rebirth, they think of Ezekiel, where God says, just before the prophecy of dry bones, in Ezekiel 36, God says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and idols. See, this is priestly talk about ritual washing and purification, which Nicodemus knew very well. And then the Lord said, I will give you a new heart and I'll put a new spirit in you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit in you. And that's how we experience the joy of life. That's how we're made full. That's how we live in the fullness of the covenant life of God with the law of the spirit of life written in us. Not out here, but written in us so that the Spirit runs through our being and we live out the life of God in the world by the Spirit. So Nicodemus shouldn't have been surprised to hear John the Baptist saying, I will baptise you with water for repentance. But after me comes one who is more powerful than I. He will baptise you in the Holy Spirit and fire. Matthew adds the fire, it's beautiful. The fire, the transforming power of God. See, washing, there's a washing in water for forgiveness of sins and an immersion in the spirit for new life. See, Jesus is not simply bringing forgiveness of sins, but a new heart that enables right living. That's what God's doing. Not just forgiving us, but he's giving us a new heart that enables us enables us to live rightly. See, salvation without the gift of the Spirit is not salvation, but humanity left dispirited, sad and lost, trying to work life out out of their own resources and constantly coming back to God for forgiveness. So Jesus was not simply talking about natural birth through the waters of Nicodemus' mother's womb, but spiritual rebirth from God himself. What a conversation that would have been. And Jesus in his conversation with Nicodemus was claiming this actually, to have the power to do what God did in the very beginning when he first created humanity by word and by spirit. That he had the power to recreate new life by dealing with the chaos, this time the chaos of sin and evil, to cleanse the creation and to do this new work of new creation through the power of the Holy Spirit within us. And that same Spirit who hovered over the creation in the beginning is the same Spirit who hovered over Nicodemus in that conversation and is hovering over you and I even now and all who are open to the Spirit. Open to the Spirit in the sense that our hearts are open. We're open to God. We put up the sails in our lives to take advantage of the blowing of the breeze, blowing of the Spirit. 
See, we're empowered by the Spirit so long as we have our sails up, open to the breath of the Spirit. Are you open to the breath of the Spirit? You see, the Spirit empowers us beyond what we can do on our own, transforms our existing gifts and abilities. See, the Spirit takes us beyond ourselves, uh, taking what we have. That's what the Lord does. Taking what we have and renewing and giving us what we don't have and enabling us to not only live an abundant and robust life, but a life that is empowered in the right direction that's empowered by the Spirit the right towards transformation, towards being made more like Christ. That's what the Spirit does, brings us to Christ, transforms us, that we be more like him. And it's significant but not surprising that New Testament scholar Gordon Fee said the ultimate imperative, the ultimate imperative in Paul's New Testament letters is what Paul says in Ephesians 5. Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Don't waste your life by filling yourself with other things to find joy and to find meaning in your life. And I wonder today if you're feeling like those dry bones, a deadness in your heart, feeling distant or or, or cut off from God, lacking enthusiasm and energy for life. Maybe even thinking your hopes and your dreams are all but fading away. Maybe everything seems hard work. There's no freshness or joy or vitality in your life. I wonder if that's how you're feeling this morning. The question I want to ask you is this. Are you open to a new day in the Spirit? Are you open to a new day in the spirit are you hearing the call of God to come alive and be filled afresh with the spirit of the living God are you like Nicodemus maybe you might be in this category you might be someone like Nicodemus dead Nicodemus he was dead and hearing Jesus calling you to turn to him and be born anew if that's you I just encourage you to open your hearts or open your heart to the Spirit of God and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the first time. Or if you're like many of us, you've already experienced rebirth and renewal in the past, but you're hearing the call of God to be filled afresh, to be filled afresh with the Spirit, to know the freshness of God anew in your heart. We need it that joy and love and peace might flow through us, that empowerment to live rightly might flow through us. We need the Spirit of God in us. If that's you, I encourage you to open your heart and invite the Spirit to come afresh into your life. We hope you enjoyed this podcast brought to you from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. Our prayer is that what was said today inspires you and strengthens you in your faith. If you would like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, you can contact the team during office hours on the number you can find on our website at mounties.org.au. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to having your company again soon. God bless.